the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Forsake the Lord and you'll find yourself in trouble. Dehumanized, to say the least. And that is where we find Gideon and the Israelites. Today on Way of Grace, as Pastor Jessica Stand continues our journey through the book of Judges. When you stop serving God, he gives you over to your enemies. That's just par for the course. And that's what we see here in Judges chapter 6, as the Israelites refuse God. The Midianites come in and they dehumanize Israel. It's a snare for seven years. In fear of poverty, they find themselves hiding in holes like animals. And that's where we're exploring today as we continue our look at Judges. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, and several other verses as well. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Gideon's in the middle of the land of Palestine. We were up north with uh, Barak and with Deborah. We were up in Naphtali land. We were up, up there with, uh, in the area of Galilee. That's northern Israel. We are in the central area of Israel around Jerusalem, a little bit above it. But we are being told that we're being devastated all the way down the Gaza Strip. Now, Gaza is headed to Egypt. So half of Israel is being wiped out. That's the reason you're hearing the language. See, a Jew would know this. Till you come unto Gaza. You remember that African, the Ethiopian brother on the road to Gaza. Y'all remember that, right? That's that line that takes you over into Egypt, headed to Ethiopia. This is Israel being plundered and destroyed. And it says, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. Boy, is that not a mess. What a devastation. Point number one, the Midianite dehumanizing of Israel. Three subpoints. They're very obvious. God gave them over to their enemies. Did he not? That's chapter two, verse 15, is, uh, 15 through 17, by the way. Just listen to it because you're going to hear it again under point number two. Verse 15 through 17. The text tells us, starting at verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He delivered them into the hand of the spoilers and they spoiled them and he sold them into their hands, the hands of the enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Verse 14 is a great commentary. Um, and, and verse 15, will sum it up. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was for them. Is that what it says? It was for them. Is that what it says? I'm getting ready to teach you. It was for them. Is that what it says? As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly what? distress. Subpoint B, snared for seven years in fear and poverty. This is what chapter two, verse three warned them about. You guys remember this. Look at verse one, two, and three of chapter two. And an angel of the Lord, by the way, this is the same angel of the Lord that's in chapter six. 
And you should know who this angel is. This is not a common angel. And we'll talk about why and how you can always know that it is not a mere angelos or a mere malak, but this is malak Yahweh, malak El Elohim. We know who this is because he speaks in the first person and only God can speak in the first person. And notice what he says. The angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and brought you unto the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Isn't that a beautiful truth? Here's what Christians make a major mistake. They don't read the whole contract because in this contract, God told them he would not break his covenant if they did not break his covenant. And when you read your Bible more fully, God broke this covenant by bringing the judgments of this covenant on them for them breaking the covenant. Right. That's absolutely necessary because often Christians will misrepresent covenant theology or even grace and make the assumption that God will not actually bring upon us consequences of our actions simply because he said he would save us. And so Israel is coming to understand here uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. Is he not? If you, if you violate my covenant, I will violate you. That's what God says. So now I want you to follow through what he says. He says, you shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. You shall throw down their altars. Here it is. Doesn't it sound like our text? But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, this is what is called a purpose clause. I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides and their God shall be what? Snares unto you. Is that not the case in our text today? Thorns in your side. Do you know what that means? You're never comfortable. Can you see the metaphor of a thorn in your side? Just always irritated, always agitated. Never at ease, never at peace. And you can't also extrapolate on that. A thorn stays in your side too long, you get sick because it swells. And I don't know about you, but I, I have a hard time avoiding painful elements in my body. I go to picking at stuff. Anybody do what I do? Now, you know you shouldn't, but you go to rubbing it and you try to do your little doctoring on it and it swells up more and more. You can't ignore it, and that's what God meant. You're not going to be able to sin against me, says the Lord, in committing idolatry and somehow live like it doesn't exist. He makes life uncomfortable for you. The second one we learned about this in the opening of our series around the snare. Didn't I tell you about that? What is a snare? It's a gin or a trap into which you get caught. And that gin or trap is really set up for you not to see it until you're taken by it. And I talked about this. I said, there are some gins and uh, traps that you and I get into as a consequence of our naivete and ignorance. Other gins and traps we have made for ourselves. Can you imagine staying up all night, creating your own gin and trap, and then walking into it? But we do. Pastor, what you're talking about, I'm not going to take the time to tell you. You're going to get the revelation in the middle of the night one night where you have schemed your own foolish agenda against the will of the living God and it has taken you in its snare and you're going to discover you did that to yourself. Then you're going to also discover with the snare, because most of us who are honest Christians know it, 
that when you're taken in a snare, you can't get out when you want to. Now, the problem with a snare is even if it doesn't completely chop your leg off, it embarrasses you because you're stuck. Now, everybody walking by looking at you say, ooh, look at him. He's trapped in the snare. And that's what it's designed to do, humble you by exposing you to others until you realize that your rebellion against God can't be hid. And the only other option after a long period of time of being in the snare, have you ever saw a bird in a snare? The one thing you will hear of a bird in a snare is that bird screaming and hollering. Ah! To get out. Does that make some sense? Why? Because the pain is increasing and they are in mortal danger. They have fought to get out, but they can't. And so it is a lot of times with our own sinfulness. We will get into a snare of our own and and come on now, will we not try to work our way out of it and discover that it's only going from bad to worse? And there's something super silly and super stupid about you and me as children of God. Now we're made to cry out to God. We are born again. The spirit of adoption should easily incline us to say, Lord, help when we get in trouble. But there's an insanity in our makeup where we wait way too long before we call on God. All I need is a witness. Seven years. Can y'all see that? Seven years. Now, ladies and gentlemen, are we not by nature depraved? I don't know what person on the planet would rise up and frame their lips to say that we're basically good when by nature we're basically rotten. Are we not? And here Israel is demonstrating that because quite frankly, had they called out on God the first year, guess what God would have done? He would have began to move. Are you guys hearing me? This is a good little caveat for some young person to put in your pocket. Young person, when you get in trouble, Hurry up and call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord in counterintuitively. Even if you feel like you have strength to work it out, don't go to working it out until you have called on God like you don't have any strength to work it out. Now, he might have you to help him work it out because that's how God works. A lot of times he'll tell you what to do, but you want God to tell you what to do rather than you telling God what to do. This will help. So under our first point, we see very clearly Israel in a major predicament. God gave them over to their enemies. The snare is there for seven years. And sub point C, they are hiding in holes like animals. How wretched that is. The Hebrew writer talked about that. Hebrews 11.38, I want you to see it in your Bible. Hebrews 11.38, then I want us to look at the book of Habakkuk, chapter one, verse three, for a moment and move on. But look at Hebrews eleven thirty eight. Now, this is the hall of fame of faith for those who walk with God. It really is true. Now, look at this. Listen to the text. This is what it says. Of whom the world was not worthy. Who is this? The people of God. This is God's estimation of you and me. The world is not worthy of us. That's really worthy of some commentary, but I'm not going to do it. In God's eyes, his people are so precious to him 
But the world does not value the people of God because we have a worldview completely contrary to theirs. We don't help the world one bit with the way we think. When you think God's thoughts after him, you are actually a plague and a thorn to people of the world. And guess what? God loves it when his people boast in who he is. God also knows just because you are God's people, you will often go through difficulty in this world that is owned by the wicked one in terms of the power and dominion in the hearts of men and women. We do have trouble in the world of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts. Didn't Israel go through the desert and the mountains? And here it is in dens and caves of the earth. Do you see it? That's our, that's our text, ladies and gentlemen. That's a bad predicament for the people of God to be in. And I would not have done you any justice as we are working on uh, a biography of Gideon by not letting you know the condition that Gideon is in as God is about to call him. A wretched, wretched situation. Look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Just listen to it. Because this would happen to Israel over and over again. God will restore them. He will give them grace. He will prosper them. They will enjoy prosperity, freedom, and liberty. And then do what? Act a fool. That's PJ's interpretation of abandoning the true and the living God and start thinking that they have acquired these things in their own strength. And God has to always let you and me know that God is the one that gives you might and power to gain and to prosper. And where you and I don't honor him in that might and power to gain and to prosper, you and I are proud and God will always resist the proud. Please let me help you get this again because this is the stupidity that education will often afford you. When you get smart enough to make some really good money, you start thinking you don't need God. Just because someone else wants to actually put a couple of letters in front of your name, you start thinking that you're all that and you are not. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't have what you have. You wouldn't be what you be. You wouldn't do what you do. You wouldn't accomplish what you accomplish if it wasn't for the grace of the living God. And God is deserving of your acknowledging that every day of your life. It doesn't matter how embarrassing people are when you say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, who graced me to get this education, who graced me to get my degree, who graced me to get my job, who kept me every day of my life, who strengthened me to get up every day and accomplish my job with the kind of efficiency and competency that allows me to be honored uh, 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 economically and otherwise. It was only by the grace of the living God. Look, if more men and women, more of our younger men and women, every time the spotlight is shined on you, say, give him all the glory, not me, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name be all the glory and the dominion. Every time they put the spotlight on a child of God and they do that, you find the world stop putting spotlights on you. Because you see, now they'd have to be reminded 
that we all live, move, and have our being in God. They'd have to be reminded that they owe God, because they do, don't they? You owe God when he gives you breath, life, and strength. You owe God when he blesses you with power, wealth, and industry. You, you owe God when he raises you up. They'd stop putting the cameras on us if every child of God say, wait a minute, is the camera on me? It's not about me, it's about him. Every time, every time, I'm hoping that we're raising up a generation of young men and women who are not trapped by the lie of a synthetic promotion, but understands organically God gave them power to be who they are and let everybody in the world know about it and trust God to keep them in the midst of it. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? This is Habakkuk being shown by the spirit of God what's going on in Israel for spoiling and violence are before me. Is this not what's going on in our country right now every time you look at the media? And there are that raise up strife and what? Contention. That is the meaning of the word media. Media. The Midianites are strife and contention. If you want to make a redemptive application, the Midianites are strife and contention. So when strife and contention emerges in your life and you've lost that peace, remember the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. When strife and tension emerges and becomes so great that you lose that joy, peace, and righteousness, you can know the Midianites are in your house. The Midianites are in your house. And now it's time for you to call on God to help you because that strife and contention is to harm you. Look at verse 4. Habakkuk 1.4. Therefore the law is slack and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceeds. This is what God is demonstrating in our text. Now let's look at point number two briefly. The messengers sent to prepare for recovery. Go back to our text. Right. Now, if you are a sensitive Christian listening with a careful ear, what you should know by now is the rhythm of relationship that I have told you about that occurs redemptively with the people of God. God is a patient God who brings us into a redemptive blessing. We ride that redemptive blessing out for a while. And then in the foolishness of our behavior, we rebel. Is that right? Redemptive rebellion. And that rebellion leads to you and I now being brought into a kind of uh, crisis to where in that crisis, we find ourselves inevitably and ultimately having to cry out to God. We get the blessing of redemption. God prospers us. We act a fool. We gradually slide into acts of rebellion. That rebellion leads us into captivity. It leads us into bondage. We lose our joy. We lose our focus. We lose our priority. We lose our influence. We lose our advancement. Because God is putting us in what we have called for years, what? The takeaway. He's taking away from us and he's taking away from us in order to get us to do what? Call out on God. It's called repentance. It's called repentance. The children of God ought to be used to repenting. You ought to be repenting over your repentance. You ought to be repenting over your repentance for which you're repenting of. 
You and I you just should be repenting all the time. Lord, I repent of everything that I think is right because it's probably wrong. And I need you to correct me. Of course, I'm making a caricature out of it because I don't want you to go crazy because John George is not a good place to go to. But you and I need to often be thinking about the assumptions that we make around the way we think. Because where we are not thinking in correspondence with who God is, we are failing to think in terms of reality. And what God has to do when you and I are off the scale of reality is bring a crisis to wake us up to that fact. Am I making some sense? Right? Because we love lying to ourselves and building fabrications of things that don't exist in reality. And God has to crash it. The sooner he crashes your false assumptions, the sooner you can begin to call out, call out on God and he can bring you back to reality. This is where you and I are now in our text. The messenger is sent to prepare for what? Recovery. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Um, nope, let me start back at verse 7 and this will affirm my point. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the what? Midianites because of the strife. That's what they mean. That the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and I brought you forth out of the house of bondage. Stop right there. Doesn't that sound like daddy? Doesn't that sound like mama? Doesn't that sound like the old people pulling rank on you? That's God. And God has every right to do it. Every time God prepared to deal with correcting Israel, the first thing he did was let them know, I brought you out of the house of bondage. You were a slave in Egypt and you had no power to deliver yourself. And I, in my own prerogative, sought you out, brought you out, redeemed you and purchased you for myself. In other words, child of God, please hear this. The story never gets old. The story never gets old. I'm only saved by the grace of God. He came and got me. I didn't get myself. He opened my eyes to his glory. I wasn't wise enough to know who he was. He delivered me from my sin all by himself. And he purchased me with the blood of the son of God 2000 years ago and set me free by the power of his spirit. 40 years ago, God owns me lock, stock and barrel. And I don't get to act like he didn't save me by his grace. You never get tired of daddy telling you that. You never get tired of daddy telling you that. Because the foolish things that you and I are doing when we sin against God is acting like he's not our father, like Christ is not our savior, like the Holy Ghost is not our paraclete, like the word of God is not a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, like we don't have the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, like we're still slaves in Egypt. Am I making some sense? So before daddy says anything relative to where I am, he has every right to tell me where I was. 
This is where you were, son. This is where you were in the house of bondage. And I delivered you all by myself. You know how a son or a daughter has to sit there and just listen to mom and daddy say it? I done heard this over and over. I got to sit there and listen to it again. Yes, you do. Because you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them. Your whole DNA, your whole anatomical structure, the whole essence of who you are is a consequence of somebody else's will working to bring you into existence. We call it the grace of the living God. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510 510- 886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.